Welcome to the first episode of our new Therian podcast, Where Are We? I am Zephyr, your fluffy, derpy Siberian tiger host, and the episode topic this time will be the introduction to the Therian community. I'm going to introduce a few of our co-hosts and guests this time. It's going to be a few people, so just give us a moment. First, it's going to be the half-stripe, mean-bag, bean-bag, wolf, split-stripe. Hello. I am a relatively new member to the Therian community, having been around for a little under a year, but I'm excited to be here and learning a lot about Therianthropy and just the community in general. Next up, we've got the Wolfie, Meiji, Dadger, and Badger Romancer, Storm Dancer. Hey y'all, I've been a part of the community for over 20 years. Next up, we've got the Pythagorean Transangled Dragon, Pythios. I have been not really part of the community, but I have been, I have considered myself a Therian for quite a long time, um, although I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme, and I mostly play video games, so you'll find me there. Next up, we have eh, just an average wolf. Here's Blue Wolf. This is Blue Wolf, obviously a wolf stereotype here. Been associated in periphery with the community for about 20-some-odd years, but that's been in and out of the community. And don't ever drive cross-country with your siblings. You'll want to kill them at the end. And last but not least, we have the Northern Ontario living, Southern food cooking, wolf woman, Overviff. Hello, uh, I'm Overviff. I am a 32-year-old female wolf therian. I have I've been awakened for about I'd say 18 to 19 years. Um, by day, I am a graphic designer. Um, what I've done for the Therian community is I adopted the Therian wiki, and that's where I put a lot of historical information that I find about the community. Some have called me the community's historian and librarian, and I also have an informative YouTube channel called Therian Nation. And I'm starting another interesting project, which we'll probably hear about later in future episodes of this podcast. And again, I am Zephyr Nazumi. I am a Siberian tiger. I am 35, I think. And I'm a uh, mechanical engineer by day. I also do some kind of digital art stuff and dabble in spiritual stuff. I'm kind of like a cat of all trades, meowster of none. So... So, or actually, master of pun. So, all right, let's get into it. So, the general purpose of this podcast is to focus on personal stories of our therianthropy and to give an overview of what it means to us personally. Also, to give our background in the community, um, who we are, what roles we play, and some overviews of stories or ideas within the community that others have heard or encountered in order to provide some general perception of the space. We'd like to give uh, newer people who are just coming into the community an idea of what to expect, uh, what to look out for, what resources may be helpful. We would also like to give those who do not identify as Therians a better frame of reference than some of the things the mainstream may provide. So this is going to be a general purpose sort of podcast. We'll see where it goes. All right, so we're going to go round table. What is Therianthropy to you? Start with Blue Wolf. Okay. 
<clears throat> Theranthropy to me is just a an understanding of questions I've had regarding myself for, well, really as long as I can remember going back into, you know, early childhood and just seeing the world a little bit differently and, and coming to understand that, you know, running across the furry community and, you know, my my early to late teens and kind of thinking there was something there, but not ever feeling quite right and not really fitting in with that group. And then eventually discovering Theranthropy and saying, oh, wow, this, uh, this explains a lot more. And kind of giving that perspective on things to just give a a view a viewpoint that I hadn't really given consideration to at that time, um, that it wasn't even possible growing up in a Catholic household. You know, it was kind of frowned upon those types of things. So it was a, a different a different door opening for me at that time, and it really just opened up a lot of different perspective. And it's been a a mainstay for me, even though I haven't necessarily been directly in the middle of the community for various reasons. Sometimes the drama gets to me, and uh, other times I just don't agree with some of the the current waves of perspective that are kind of crashing against the, the rocks at this time. And that's happened in other times. But at the same time, I've also found a number of very close friends through it that we've found those similarities and been able to have deep and meaningful conversations and, and debates at times on what it is, how do we engage with it, how do we not let it control our lives, and, you know, just a way to walk in better balance than, you know, the the general human community, to be perfectly honest. And I think there's a lot of valid points there. I know I had a background from which I was very intolerant of myself in a sense. So finding a sense of purpose for my theory anthropy has been one of the driving purposes of me being in the community. And it's, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time helping other people with self, self-acceptance and finding their place in the world, basically. So I kind of relate to that. And Pythios, how about you? To me being... Uh involved in theory anthropy doesn't always necessarily mean that I was involved in the community. Although looking into the community for me was definitely a good perspective to take in terms of seeing what the shared experience is of Therians, which is sort of something for me to bounce off, bounce my own ideas off of. And in that sense, to talk about myself more so, I've always had this other component to me that I always knew was not necessarily part of the original human experience where I just don't think the same way or take the same perspective. Not necessarily the same perspective, but more so like this is the way that I'm processing through all of that all of the things that are going on around me and with that I can say this is something that I attribute to me being more of a dragon which is kind of <laughs> I, I still sort of cringe at myself thinking about that but at the same time it, it's it's I don't have a better explanation for it 
Um, and I mean, that with that comes sort of self-acceptance and at the same time, running that up against my own trans experience being transitioning from male to female is sort of trying to understand where theory anthropy play what their role theory anthropy plays in that sort of experience i would say that i am more in terms with my theory anthropy than being trans and it's fun to sort of be able to rely on old ideas that have been with me throughout my life and sort of moods that I can just go back to that are a place of comfort when I'm faced with adversity from, well, pretty much myself. Well, every time I look in the mirror or, like, consider what people address me as or whatnot, have you. But that, that's kind of what it is to me in a very rambly sense. It sounds good to me. That makes a lot of sense, too. The shared experience, I think, is one of the most impactful things that I've found since I've come into the community. Again, I spent most of my teen years feeling like I didn't have a place uh, to really fit in in the world. To kind of give a little bit of our future content up front. I know we would actually like to explore the Therian and trans experiences to see where the dysphoria is similar, where it's different, and to see what kind of bridges we can make between the two communities. I know sometimes there, there's a little bit of a almost like a rivalry there that I don't think needs to exist there. I'm not trans myself, but I know a lot of people who are, and it's an important part of self and we're not sure how it ties into therianthropy so i think it's it's interesting to kind of consider how that rests in the spectrum of the experience that therians do encounter i think it's important to note too there's that that a lot of people you know see it as you know other kin and therians are trying to to take away the legitimacy of the trans community, which is definitely not the case. The trans community, you know, has a little bit more psychological research into it and has definitely some, a much more backing of the mainstream, whereas we tend to be more on the peripheral still and is that we're just trying to hop on that bandwagon and take away what they've gained? No, we're not, but I can I can certainly see the perspective of that. It's it's building that bridge like you, you pointed out there, though, I think is important. And I think part of the problem there is uh, I think most of us that are on here know some Therian gatekeepers who are so adamant about Therianthropy that they they try so hard to protect it that they end up damaging others in the process. And I think that's part of what we need to work down to. I don't know anyone who is in the Therian community who is trying to damage the trans community. If anything, we are trying to, like you said, build that bridge and find a point of relation. So, again, I think it's important to focus on what those shared experiences are. We are all, in a sense, a sort of, I don't want to say minority, but <laughs> there's laughter. <laughs> it's true, though. We're not, in, we're not anywhere near the mean on the bell curve. Yeah. 
we are very much both in sort of marginalized groups and us trying to... There's sort of a sense of competing for resources, which, I mean, doesn't really need to happen because... Exactly. In most groups, trying to tear at each other doesn't really help each other, even though it may make you feel better in the short term. That is not exactly... What fixes both issues? Agreed. Agreed. All right. So before we get too far on, all right, Split Stripe, it's your turn. What is the Therian community to you? It's interesting because I've only sort of been going through this process over the course of this past year, 2019, um, having actually really only awakened at the beginning of the year through a period of very long self-denial and self-loathing that led to a lot of very dark places. And going through that, I sort of realized that over time, kind of going back through and looking at those those pieces of myself that I kind of left behind, realizing that therianthropy was always there, that there were these pieces of myself that I could never explain and kind of always knew were a part of me, but tried the best I could to work around them or determine through intellect a lot of the ways that I could adapt to the outside environment that I was actually working in. And because of that, it basically led to kind of a lot of various discoveries over the course of the past year and a lot of very interesting ways. And therianthropy kind of started explaining a lot of those pieces of myself. Not only that, I left behind and started to deny but through doing that then also allowed me to be able to discover new parts of myself or other parts of myself that were outlets that I enjoyed that I'd never really explored. So being able to express myself through theory anthropy and kind of talking about that safely and sort of um, just being able to be okay with those parts of myself has been able to, I guess, be able to create a solidified identity. Whereas before there was a lot of self-perception and self-drive towards being what others wanted me to be versus trying to just be myself. And so like those, those wolf parts of myself now that I go and recognize and see as, as uh, like invariable parts of myself that I don't necessarily have to act on all the time, but are uh, parts of myself that I do feel drawn towards sort of allow me to feel more self-fulfilled and just be able to kind of see myself as more of an individual. Something that we haven't really touched on that might be a term that people don't know is, uh, what is awakening also? Just to quickly explain that for people who don't know that term. So it's interesting because when people use the term awakening, sometimes it's used as some kind of like magical, oh, this really impactful event happened and I discovered that I was a wolf and so on and so forth. Like I look back at my own awakening and I was... <laughs> five or six years old and I just one day I was like hey I was supposed to be a cat it really wasn't anything super special or supernatural or anything I I kind of wonder the term awakening does mean something to every individual I think in my case I may have had several awakenings because I went through like split stripe said several bouts of repression um, I would come to terms with parts of my therianthropy and then I would be like, okay, no, I've got to bury these because they don't 
conform to social standards and I, I just don't I'm something's wrong with me basically it was what I accepted and as time would go on I would be like you know what it's it's time for me to actually accept this part of myself um, each time it was a different phase of growth actually as a kid I thought I was just a feline the rest didn't matter uh, as time progressed I learned more and more and Siberian tiger was where I eventually ended and you know it's to some people it's a much easier process to others it's more complicated there's no one catch-all kind of way that works for everybody it's interesting that you say that too because I actually do sort of come from the other end of what maybe an idea of an awakening would be for most people because I decided pretty much very early on in my life that I didn't recognize what I was but I knew that things were strange and I was getting constantly punished or ousted or just pushed away because of how I felt I should act, even if I didn't understand why. And through that, basically then got the idea that I could be normal as long as I tried hard enough. And through that like bout of repression, basically anything that ever did pop up that was new would just immediately be locked up and kind of thrown away in the back of my mind. So kind of at the beginning of this year, when eventually I did get to the point where I had become so fed up with myself that it led to kind of a very severe mental break, in a sense, and led to what I would describe as actually an incredibly intense experience, where I sort of then reevaluated everything and then figured out a lot of answers um, that then were immediately sort of questioned and reevaluated over the course of the next several months, but never ultimately sort of changed the core realization I came to. I think it's important as we go along to kind of highlight that it's uh, coming to acceptance of ourselves is not always an easy thing. Uh, sometimes it's portrayed by the mainstream as us trying to seek attention or something along those lines. Really, most of the time, it seems like we're behind the scenes trying to hide things and suppress things to, to fit in. And it's more of an effort to try to eventually accept who we are. It's very difficult there. Yeah, like, for example, for me, saying stuff like I'm like a dragon or I am a dragon is very cringy for me, personally, to say aloud. But in my own mind, I'm perfectly fine with that sort of idea, or that, those sorts of ideas coming up in frequency in the privacy of my own mind. I have definitely sort of tuned myself to make sure that I'm not appearing obvious to most people whereas in my own mind I know how I'm like I know what I'm going to do and I'm fine with that just an example all right so I am going to move things along to stormy what is theranthropy to you to me I see theranthropy as a connection to that inner self that inner animal you said awakening it was like a it's like a, realiza a realization that leads hopefully to acceptance and I I fully accepted it my own I see it as giving me the strength things like the strength insight and fortitude to thrive in this world a lot of people see themselves as something other than human but the way I look at it is more than human we're human at our base, but there's that something extra in there, 
whether it be spiritual or psychological within us. And I guess the segue off that too, for those who are not too familiar with therianthropy or maybe newer to the experience and evaluating it, there is no one specific way that therianthropy is experienced. Some of us are spiritual, some of us do think that it's more, it's got more of a psychological background. So again, when we try to determine the commonalities that we all experience, sometimes we do actually realize that there are differences too. But there are several things that tie us together in that. And again, self-acceptance is something that's imperative. It's about trying to fight the feeling of not belonging in this world and instead finding where we belong instead. To kind of jump off that a little bit too, I think one of the biggest things I learned pretty early on through the Therian community, which I guess we'll get into in a bit, but when comparing those sorts of experiences, that it's okay to say that you experience something completely differently and don't relate at all to what most others are saying in that regard, even if it's of people of your same stereotype or regardless. To be fair, we really don't know what therianthropy encompasses at this point. We've got a good idea, and I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, it's if you've got 100 therians who are telling you they experience this or that, that there may be a general trend, but I agree. You should feel comfortable saying, hey, this is something I experienced too. There have been a few times that I've talked about things that I thought were completely unrelated to therianthropy, and I've been surprised by the responses of other people who are saying, hey, you know, I actually experienced this too, and I'm kind of glad that you've spoken up. So it can be difficult too, but it's, you know, we're all, again, part of the same puzzle, and sometimes letting others see where you are kind of puts things into context. All right, Ulfrevif, what is therianthropy to you? So, therianthropy began as more spiritual for me when I was a teenager. Over the years, I have realized that it is very much connected to my psychology as well. Discovering my inner self and identity has helped me be more accepting of myself, which many other here others here have mentioned it filled in a lot of blanks and helped me it filled in a lot of blanks and helped my life make sense this was a process over uh, many years for me as well there was some suppression and struggles within but in the end I couldn't deny that I'm a wolf therian being a wolf therian has helped me develop and embrace qualities within myself that have gotten me through very difficult times in my life. This has been a source of inner strength for me. And also what has come with this, which has helped me in bad times in my life, is the sense of community and belonging, which we all need. And through the community, I've become interested in the history of Therians, and this has been a very positive hobby for me. I really believe that being a therianthrope helps me be a better human being because it's made me more open-minded. That's a very powerful thing right there. Again, with the stories that we're hearing so far, self-acceptance is a very difficult thing. The path to that does lead to being more open-minded to other people too. And I found that I relate so much better to other people also and kind of find better perspective 
to help them through their paths in life too. So I've learned that it's not all about me and it's not all about my strife. It's kind of about the community in general. It's about how we work together to build something better for the future. I think another point that uh, Ulfavith <clears throat> hit on there was that's very important is the, the strengths that the, the stereotype brings. And you can look at this from a psychological perspective or a spiritual perspective. I happen to do both on a regular basis. Um, and it's it the, the strengths of those the stereotype or the spirit that you're associated with it's always there it just needs to be kind of tapped on the shoulder on occasion and be like hey can you help me out here and it will come flooding to you like you wouldn't believe at times and surprise you with things you might not normally just be comfortable in, in doing i've i've certainly had that enough times with you know i tend to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more shy in some ways but at the same time when i i need uh, the the boldness uh, or the forwardness of Wolf to come out, I have no hesitation in being able to go in there, state, state a position very clearly. And generally speaking, it clears up any issues before there isn't even, before an issue is even started. Uh, it's a, a great thing to do. Now, I'm terrified going into it, but at the same time, I know what's going to come out of it 95% of the time, and I find it to be a very useful ability to do. And, you know, I kind of relate to that, too, um, looking at my work teams and, and other, like, offline teams. I, I'm often really hard on myself for being the quiet guy who kind of stands in a corner and pretty much just broods for the most part. But I found that being the one who steps back a little further than everyone else and calculates a little more actually helps the entire team out because when I do step forward, I've got a different kind of perspective than everybody else has too. So it's definitely right. In the beginning, I focused so much on how I'm different and feeling bad about that, that I didn't realize that, hey, I've got these special attributes too. Not, nothing, again, nothing magical or anything along those lines, but there are parts of my stereotype that kind of allow me to focus on things that most of the people around me don't do. I'll admit, I'm bad at some of the things that people around me <laughs> normally do, but again, it's it's kind of like, you know, trying to figure out how you fit in on a team. Where, what are my strengths and what can I add in to where the team's weaknesses are, basically? Uh, yeah, I find that as well. A lot of times I'm more quiet and observant, but then when something goes wrong, I can often like help problem solve. And I've, <laughs> I guess, fixed a lot of things at work that other people couldn't figure out. And I can speak up when I need to, for sure. You know, that strength can come forward when I really need it to. But for the most part, Wolf has just been perseverance and... Yeah, there's a lot of problem solving there too. So, I'll definitely say that I'll, I've experienced some of that as well, and I've noted even before uh, kind of coming to terms with things that there were a lot of periods where, yeah, most of the time would be awkward and shy, but in the face of either danger or some critical situation, just having that part of yourself be able to kind of come out and just kind of instantly take control of the situation has been incredibly helpful. There have been a number of times. Um, where I've seen people become extremely critically injured or uh, 
just in, in some sort of danger, either in outdoor activities or even just a couple of times of, you know, accidents in the kitchen or something uh, simple as that, where just being able to kind of calmly evaluate the situation and recognize it for what it is and draw on that strength to be able to just sort of say, okay, no, this is the reality that is occurring and then have those sorts of traits sort of direct you towards the direct solution has been incredibly helpful. Sort of like relying on instincts. I tell you, for <laughs> most of my life, I denied my instincts and I fought against them, but the more I actually rely on my instincts, the more I find that life's kind of actually easier for me. And again, it's, it's like I fit into that niche in life, too, where, yeah, my instincts may not be the norm, but they definitely have a place. It may not be something that everyone else is necessarily kosher for or looking toward, but it drives things forward. So, you know, it's been difficult to teach myself that, yes, I can learn to listen to these instincts, but it's incredible how much it's pushed me forward learning to listen to these things. I find it interesting, too, how much that sort of repression of instinct also comes from not those situations where they are so critically helpful that often get lauded by others around us, but um, there's just a tacit association with a lot of the times where the times that they have been punished due to acting or uh, expressing them outside of situations where maybe it was less critical. And that ties together in ways where then you want to then have those sorts of repressive episodes. Kind of showing that it is all tied together in a way. Or in situations where your instincts can sort of lead you astray and then end up being a little bit too unorthodox for the people around you and then you just kind of get dejected afterwards. Those situations can happen too, at least in my experience. It's not all roses and, and candy over here. And I actually think it's more about balance. Again, we are human. Some of us tend to like to not think about that aspect of it, but the humanity in us also brings a degree of balance. So, you know, I don't go around acting like a tiger all the time, rah, rah, scratching stuff and whatnot. Sometimes, yes, it feels like it would be fun, but it is about finding that balance between the different aspects of self, I think. Got a claw open that Thanksgiving turkey, Zeph. How else do you think I carved it? Come on. Very much in agreement where it's like trying to find a balance because for me, I still haven't really found a balance between a lot of different aspects in my life. But working with my own instincts versus working with my own humanness has been... A journey in itself, one that you kind of don't stop uh, learning. Yeah, you know, it's been, <laughs> it was kind of interesting because my 20s, I spent a lot of time indulging in my stereotype, but neglecting my humanity. And then it did that different shift too. Um, when I was a teenager and in my earlier 30s, I, I focused so much on my humanity and I neglected my stereotype. All of that felt like hell it felt like I was incomplete and imbalanced 
it's been very difficult to find that balance. But again, the way that my life has kind of gone forward in accepting both aspects of myself actually is tremendous. I think a lot of people see that balance is something you achieve and then you just, you magically somehow sustain. And my experience, you know, over, over 40 years here has been anything, but once you've achieved balance, usually it's a fleeting momentary, you know, if you're lucky a whole day and then something gets tipped out of, out of sync immediately. So it's a matter of finding a way to add and subtract as necessary and it's a constant challenge. It's a constant battle. You know, for me also, uh, Eastern philosophy has helped a lot with that. And a lot of the concepts that are baked into that, that we don't find in a lot of the Western approaches. You know, that's, that's one thing that I've found extremely useful for, for that perspective. Yeah, I'll agree. Finding balance. Um, it's almost a, a daily thing that you have to work out. Like, oh, well, what's different today or what's affecting me today or what will tomorrow be like, you know, stuff could come up that could kind of shift whether you need to be a little bit more human or whether it's okay for the wolf within you to be a little bit more wary and, you know, it's, but sometimes I think the wolf in me does get too wary and there's, an aspect of anxiety with that and I have to I have to push that away and push that aside and because sometimes you know in my job I have to talk to people all the time and help them work through uh, whatever they they need and so yeah I agree it's balance is a constant thing you have to work on are you implying wolves are anxious? <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, it seems like Darians in general are anxious. You know, I'm a tiger, and I'm actually going through anxiety treatment right now. So it's it's something that a lot of Therians that I know go through. Again, it's not it's not necessarily uh, you know I'm a a wolf or a tiger, so I'm super strong and always confident in myself. No, actually, it's kind of quite the opposite. It seems. Yeah, well, you know, that animal part of us that with that instinct comes, you know, animals are always on the lookout for danger. And I don't, you know what, I don't see my anxiety as a bad thing. Anxiety in animals means that, it actually means survival. So I kind of look at, try to look at my anxiety as that, you know, I just have to be mindful of it, aware of what it is and when it's kind of like affecting me or my job too much and just take a deep breath say you know it's okay you know uh, the person i'm going to talk to about their logo is not trying to eat me i'm going to be okay i don't know sometimes it does feel like people are going to eat me because i'm different actually i kind of i do understand that and i do think that it's uh, again a very effective survival instinct almost I would I'll echo off that and say like I think a lot of the anxiety is developed because of the uh, issues we can face because of the forms of expression that we either might have early on or just throughout our lives as our Ethereum parts of ourselves either come out or are expressed in different ways 
especially uh, earlier on when they're not quite understood. Yeah, I guess that could be true as well. I mean, anxiety is kind of going to be a little bit different, experienced in a different way for each of us. Very much have existential stress of all the stresses. Very much worried about far future sort of reaching things, even though I don't really think of what comes in the next minute. But, you know... I, I like to attribute that more so to something out of my control that I will eventually get under control, but, you know, I, I, I don't really worry about it To I try not to worry about it. Doesn't mean I don't, but I recognize that that emotion is there. And it might have some reason to it, and it might not. It depends on what the instincts are telling me. Alright, so on to our next topic, and I'm going to make this free form so anyone can answer. What is the Therian community? What does it mean to you? How are you involved in it, and why? Uh, we've already discussed some of how are you involved in it, but I guess if you have a role within the community, go ahead and feel free to explore that a little more in depth. I don't necessarily have a role per se within the community. I'm starting to kind of re reinsert myself to a degree within the community as well. But the community in general, what I've found is, you know, it's a, as, as most are, is a, a like-minded set of folks that, you know, we have a common goal at the end of the day. And it's really kind of understanding ourselves and providing, at least for me, providing a foundation for others to be able to walk on. I know the community as it is today or as it was, um, even back in the HWW days, wasn't as easy to crack into and there was a lot of a lot of gatekeepers as we've already kind of noted I made it very difficult for people trying to explore and understand themselves that creates limitations for a lot of people we as we've already kind of hit on we all a lot of us have anxiety and we have our own questions and coming to understand this very strange from a societal standpoint a point of view and perspective on, you know, hey, I'm part animal here, if not in whole, and not just the human animal, is something that I don't think... It's hard enough to come to accept that within oneself, and then to have a community that is almost pushing back on you and saying, no, prove it, it was disruptive in my opinion. I survived it back in the day for myself, and I found, you know, certain things, you know, the scars and everything were to a certain degree useful, but I, I think that, you know, looking at today's day and age, having dealt with a lot of people of different ages, my uh, professional life, it, it's a different, it's a different era, it's a different time, and not all those rules necessarily apply well, so for me, I want to see a good example, more communication out there, people can start to explore this and understand it on the, their own, and have a way to, or at least a, a to be able to say, hey, maybe these people will understand me. Maybe they can help me understand myself a little bit better, too, and really open up those doors a little bit further. It's not going to be, you know, hey, just welcome, and it's all shine and rainbow unicorns and everything, and i surprised we don't have a unicorn on talk right now. Um, but regardless... I can get one if you want. I'm confident you could. A unitiger, in fact. We have the glitter... 
We just need the horn. Um. <laughs> there is a picture of me being a unicorn. Oh, good lord. Anyway, back to what you were saying. Anyways, now that you derailed me pretty well, I think that it is important to, you know, again, push everybody to, to this because I don't think, you know, everyone who comes to the community is truly, you know, necessarily thinking it through. There's a lot of, oh, wow, I'm a werewolf, or I'm a, I'm a tiger or something along those lines. And it's going to come and it's going to go within a year. It's a, it's a something that they're exploring. They try it on. It doesn't fit. Throw it away. We don't, you know, that can dilute the community, community that can dilute a lot of the information that can become dangerous to others as well because they see it as something that you just kind of try on and you throw it away. For us, it's something that's been a lifetime thing for a lot of us and something we've struggled to come to terms with, accept, and, and you know, I think at least a subset of us do want to build a, a foundation for people to be able to land on and feel that they can find somebody to talk this through with them. I will also take up the slot of random mythical creature. Yes, that is me. Hi. No need for unicorns, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you used to have horns in your avatar, right? <laughs> yeah. As a tiger... I'm going to be one to kind of back off that too, or to respond off of that. Since I've been in the community, so I joined the community probably around 2004, 2005, and the number of tigers that I know who still identify as tigers today is zip, zero. So it's, you know, we, we do see a lot of people kind of coming in and maybe getting things wrong. Sometimes it's... It's more of like a, a spirit animal or something along those lines that they're experiencing and not necessarily a part of self in the same kind of way. But it's, you know, as someone who was a tiger, is a tiger, and found his way into a community of wolves, essentially, back in 2005, you know, it was very difficult. Because, yeah, I did have to kind of prove myself, you know, how are, how are you a tiger? <laughs> and it's something that I was already struggling to come to terms with. So having to prove it to other people was very difficult, especially considering my personal anxiety. Yeah. I think the community has come pretty far with things like that, and I'm glad to see its progress. And I know I personally don't want to ever put someone through that. Even if I don't think someone is, you know, if someone comes to me and they say, hey, you know what, I think I'm a tiger, I might challenge them a little bit, sure. But it's not going to be the same kind of grilling that I experienced back in 2005 that made me basically be like, okay, you know what, I don't need this community because it's it's not helpful, it's not healthy. It's it, it, I think the community should be more supportive and understanding. Well, I guess that's what I wanted to do with Therian Nation and by adopting the Therian Wiki. The Therian Nation YouTube channel, most of the videos are just informative, it's information, the Therian Wiki is just information. It's just there for people to find. And I really just try to put the information in front of people and just let them know that here's some information. This is your journey. It's up to you to figure it out. And yes, this is going to take some time. You know, it might take years before you understand whether you are or not really a Therian, 
So I try to encourage people to just have patience with themselves. No, and I think that uh, you've done a phenomenal job with that, and that's not a you know blowing smoke up uh, up your backside here. That's just an honest opinion of it. I think you've collected and and published a lot of information. The thing that I think is is the only thing that's really missing is who do you reach out to after that? Where's the you know where's the wider you know I want to have an online debate or a discussion with somebody who's been through this in a more you know verbose format than than not. I mean, I personally love the, the documentation and kind of going through it, and that's kind of how I got myself to it long going far away when I did find these, stumble across some of the pieces. But at the same time, the, the most productive thing that I ever had was going and visiting, you know, some of those early Therians and having muzzle-to-muzzle debates with them and discussions and not necessarily a grilling, but certainly being pushed to a different limit and forced to really give critical thought to different things. And it changed some of my perspectives and solidified others. So I find a lot of value there in challenging other people, but I think that sometimes people are so defensive that they try too hard. They don't want to have an open mind. I agree. I was challenged in a lot of ways to, you know, basically prove to myself hey, you know, first off, am I Amatherian? Or am I Etherian? And am I Tiger? Okay, among other things. It was hard for me to test myself in that way, but it did make things real. Because later on in my life, when I was even away from the community and these things were still happening, I'm like, okay, these are the answers I needed to have a few years ago. It's difficult. Uh, I think that sometimes people push others a little too hard, though. I know not everyone is as eloquent as the next person in describing their experiences, and I know some people are actually kind of shamed or put down because they can't put things into words the way they should. That's where I think it's more wrong. I think it's uh, people should have a little more acceptance in that regard. I think one of the biggest sources of challenges within the community that comes is actually through an earlier point that was sort of stated with just keeping an open mind. Because having come in recently to kind of finding very anthropy and even after kind of realizing things for myself going about five months or so without finding the community at all, being able to find it and just finding all the different perspectives that have been expressed over the course of many years now, since now it's 2019 and I think Altor Werewolves was over 20 years ago at this point. Just being able to kind of see those perspectives and coming to try to understand others in that way, I think also allows each individual, at least for myself, to understand themselves more. And as somebody that actually is still uh, very religious and a practicing Christian, it definitely was the case that coming in and seeing a ton of different perspectives within the community allowed me to grow as a person and be able to understand my own theory anthropy a lot more as well. And through those sorts of connections, I think uh, Blue Hope was talking about you, Ben, kind of not really having debates, but just sort of seeing what other people's perspectives are, even if they aren't so much maybe back and forth conversation, so much as just expression, often are one of the most valuable things that I found within theory and community and the reason I sort of stuck around. It's definitely, I think, something that for a lot of people coming in is difficult. It was very difficult for me coming in and seeing that. It still is from time to time. But overall, I think that 
that source of challenge just from perspective is perhaps i think the greatest thing the community has to offer that doesn't have to come through grilling where you then challenge the other's idea but just coming to express and understand it is i think the basis that has value there yeah i'm not a fan of the grilling to be perfectly honest with you and i i don't deny you know that there's that there's a inability on some people's part at this point and where they are to be able to necessarily express themselves in an adequate way for them but that communication that back and forth that that discussion that debate and i use debate very liberally in that term because it shouldn't be you know like a, a hard fast you know screaming at each other by any stretch but it should be we're asking each other questions we're actually thinking about it and trying to come up with critical critical thought and critical answers to these things to really self-evaluate if nothing else i think that is a healthy thing and i think it's important for anyone coming into the community or even has been in the community a long time because you're not challenging your own perspective you're probably stagnant and i think it's very important to come to it from a relatable sense too because okay as someone who is 30 something now and looking back you know i see a lot of teens who are going through this process of trying to figure out you know am i a therian what am i so on and so forth maybe instead of just asking them outright well you know x or y letting them know hey this is something that i went through myself when i was oh god when i was your age i am a gray muscle but yeah but um I think sometimes the, the approach, too, is what really matters. Uh, letting someone know that you're trying to, again, be relatable can help out tremendously because they won't think that you're singling them out and they may understand that you're trying to help them along their path. Yeah, especially for someone like me. Being a dragon and Therian, there's kind of a split difference between being an other kin and a Therian, which is a completely different topic, but having being able to talk to Therians myself as as someone who is technically not part of this real world in some sense, I'm more of myth than reality, it is very helpful to actually, you know, talk to real Therians and be able to get the perspective of this is what it means to me, and then I can go, okay, let me take those experiences and apply them to my own life, where it's like, this is how I'm like this, and these aspects make up being a dragon, you know? I see the Therian community as like a, a little slice-of-life look into society itself. There's different backgrounds, different beliefs, views, religions, lifestyles, etc., we mirror society as a whole. Not everyone is going to agree with anyone, you know, with everyone else. There will be some bad people, there will be some good people. But we do all share that realization of self, that view of our inner self that, that's different from the, the rest of humanity that makes us more than human. Some call it a support network, both online and off. I've been in the community for a long time, and just my role in it is helping others find themselves, voices, and place in this world. Coming in myself kind of recently, too, I've sort of seen that there are, yeah, a lot of different aspects of the community in terms of trying to help find different forms of self-discovery, but even more recently, things like, I think it's the IARP, 
are looking into therianthropy with a more critical and research eye that are trying to identify causalities in different forms of research around it. And there are now, I think, a lot more different angles that a person can come into the Therian community in terms of what they are looking for, just from the idea of what a community is to them. If they're trying to look for just connection with individual, if they're trying to, whether that's online or offline, or they're trying to look for information, philosophical debate, or whatever else the community may need to them. And it's kind of interesting because, so I have been active in the community for about two years now, a little over that. And when I first came into the community, I know I was kind of racking my brain with, okay, well, how can I help out with this? How can I almost give a dissertation on <laughs> this specific aspect of what I experience? And as time has gone gone on, uh, I, I've I think most people that know me kind of know me as more of a playful kind of person or a humorous kind of person. And it's because I realize that eventually the community to me has become family. My existence here is to try to help people get through every day. It's not to make everyone write some kind of huge post on a thread somewhere. Not everyone wants that. Not everyone needs that. I'm looking at the different styles that everybody has. Some do like the more in-depth discussions and debates. Some don't. So for me, my personal role is more trying to bring the community together, in a sense. And I, I find a lot of fulfillment there. Yeah, that, that's another sort of important thing about the community that I've realized. Not everybody comes at this from the same perspective. There's so many people that are, I could not imagine being in their shoes that are just like, they're having the same sort of shared experience with me that I don't, you know, necessarily understand why or how, but it's there and it's very real, to me at least. And as to what people might get out of the community, it may be having people to be similar to, having people to talk with on more maybe serious issues, or maybe just someone to hang out with and, you know, be able to feel comfortable with being yourself. There's a whole lot of different things that could come out of being a part of any specific community, and we should also recognize that there's more than just one theory and community. There's probably a lot more interspersed groups and whatnot that we don't really necessarily cover. <laughs> but, hey, we are one group, and this is how we are talking about it. Yes, base, just even having the Ethereum community as a whole, I think, is just valuable in and of itself. Because, as I sort of mentioned earlier, I kind of came in five and a half months after going through basically a period where I was trying to identify all those parts myself and basically thought I was alone. And just not having that loneliness is, I think, drastic in terms of how it affects you and how it can affect personal growth. I'm going to interject very briefly and say welcome to Aaron. Would you like to say a little bit about yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Aaron. I've been, I'm a wolf, Timberwolf, Therianthrope, Kitsune Hybrid. I've been in the Therry community since about 2005. I kind of knew back in 1998. My goal in life is to become a wolf. 
but also to help people feel like they're not alone and let people know that, yes, we exist. No, you're not crazy. And we're all here for each other. All right. So we've already touched, we've already touched this topic with everyone else, but what is therianthropy to you? Ah, that is always a fun question. It is personal, really, because there's many different answers and depending on who you ask. To me, I believe I should have been born as a wolf. So to me, it's closer to feeling like I'm in the wrong body. I need help. I need to get out of here and trying to find a way to survive with all that in mind. It's interesting that you say that because I didn't really go into my story, but for me, it's almost like I think that part of my soul should have been Tiger, but it's not. One of the metaphors that someone has used before that really strikes with me is that, you know, before I was born or whatever, there's like this factory that's compiling all the pieces of myself, and somehow a piece of tiger gets kicked in there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, okay, I have to live as a human, but for some reason I'm a tiger too. <laughs> so this complicates things. So it's like a little chunk of one thing, a little chunk of another thing to you. Are you calling me chunky? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm saying one piece and another piece but they have to work together. It is, and that's one of the hardest things uh, that we've already talked about, too, is that sometimes finding that balance is not easy at all. Hmm. For me, it's a, can I survive, is more of the question I have in my head. Now you've got me thinking about the factory. Factory? Example. Who put that in there? Who stuck this in there? Yeah, well, can, looking look looking at my life, it makes sense. I actually kind of saw it as an analogy where somebody baked a cake. They decided to make a wolf cake instead. Who put this in there? See, this is why quality control is very important. When you don't have quality control, you get us. <laughs> so you're a big fan of Wolfenus then? <clears throat> I love wolf cakes. <laughs> Wolfenut. Okay, we should not talk about Wolfenut in this podcast. <laughs> Alright, so our current topic is what is the Therian community? What does it mean to you and how are you involved in it and why? For me, the community is like a support group system, honestly. It, not an AA meeting. It's more of a case of we all have a similar trait between all of us. We all believe that either we're spiritually connected to an animal or we feel like we should have been born as that animal. There's also many, 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 many different communities out there. It's not just one. There's several. Sometimes they have overlap. But we all have a common theme. And I honestly see it as a way to network, but also most likely have people that you can actually talk to and you can relate to that understand what you're going through because most people don't understand how to handle this or like they feel so isolating and alone. I did hear a little bit about that. And honestly, feeling alone is an awful feeling. And knowing there's other people like you that have to go through this. When I found this community, 
I brought tears to my eyes as a teenager. So that's what it means to me. It's honestly the it probably saved my life more than once. And I'm very glad it exists. And sorry. You know, don't don't be sorry. It's actually, you know, it's a it's a dark topic, but fine, I'll jump in there too. Um when I was nineteen I attempted suicide because I did not fit in. Um, I could not figure out how to fit in for life me. And I had no support group or anything. And I, th- I hope that I said that I attempted and not committed. But You did say attempted. Okay, good. But, you know, it was after spending a life of trying to figure out how I fit in and where I fit in and being told constantly that I don't, I, you know, I had not found the community yet. And I was at wit's end, and I, I had given up hope. I was like, you know, it's fine. I'm just done then. So it, it's hard. It's a lot harder than sometimes it may seem. And again, all we're really trying to do is figure out how to survive. Exactly. And I'm glad that you're here. And to anyone else that has attempted at all and survived, I'm glad that you are still alive so that we can all chat and try to make this world better than we found it. Everybody wants to belong somewhere to feel a part of something. It, it, it feeds the soul. It feeds the self. And this community provides that. We provide this for each other. Got a good point there. Yes, it does. The feeling, the feeling of belonging is honestly a great feeling. You are right about that for sure. But also like thinking, I feel like nobody else in my family or anybody else in my community, what is wrong with me? Am I the crazy one? Those are thoughts going through a kid's head. Those are not good thoughts. Well, you know, it's it's not even necessarily just a kid's head. I told this story on one of the Therian talks. And so my mate, we've been together for about six years now. And it wasn't until he talked to someone with IARP that it finally sunk in that, yes, stereanthropy is a thing that people experience. Again, I'm 35, I think, 34. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to not care anymore. And, you know, having to legitimize a part of my personality or my identity is very difficult. Uh, I feel like I shouldn't really necessarily have to. And it's not until someone talks to scientists that they really even believe that this is valid. And, you know, how how is that supposed to make me feel? I, I don't, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't take it badly. I understand, you know, it's, I have been that same person who's been like, okay, well, I must be crazy. So I understand that other people may not find validity in it either, but it's, it's a terrible thing to have to deal with. Sort of trying to find credibility and validity in your own sense of self in a world where most people will be like, that isn't what I experience. Ew, get away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just like finding my, my parents thinking, this is all crazy. This is all in your head. You are nuts. Well, why do you think this way? And it's like, I don't know why I think this way. This is just what I've been thinking since I was a little kid. I mean, today I actually went to see a cousin of mine and basically spilled my guts about therianthropy. And do you know what she told me? 
after all that? Was that a rhetorical question, or do I have to actually guess? <laughs> no, no, I'll, don't worry, I'll tell you the answer. The answer was, so when you come to the next uh, cousin's reunion, can you bring your wolf suit? Hmm. Now, see, that's good, and that's something that um, I think we should face in one of our future discussions also, is that sometimes I wonder, uh, you know, we talked about anxiety earlier and uh, self-perseverance, in a sense. Sometimes... I wonder if maybe we are too sensitive toward this topic too. Uh, I'm not saying by any means that it's uh, at any team at any time we're not supposed to be at all, but naturally we can be ostracized, we can be picked on, anything like that. We can we can be attacked. But sometimes are we a little too hard on ourselves because there have been times too where I've talked to I'll just say humans, but <laughs> hopefully you all realize what I mean. I know what you mean. Um, I know what you mean. But hopefully, yeah, exactly. So you know, I'll, I'll be talking about it to a human, and they'll be like, "Well, so what? What part of this am I supposed to worry about?" And it, it kind of it it jars me a little bit because I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting judgment and criticism because that's all I've given myself all of my life. And instead, I actually kind of get like a little bit of sincerity. I'm like, okay, this is not what I expected. <laughs> when I was in college, it was right after I told my parents that, hey, mom, I think I'm a wolf. Yeah, honey, you're going to therapy now. Well, I was running a TV station. And I found one of the members that I was talking to quite a bit. And I confided with him saying, hey, um, Sirius, I believe she's born as a wolf, and I'm stuck in the wrong body, and I don't know what to say. And he basically told me, it's okay. It's okay to be different. It, you have to be true to yourself. You can't just hide. You have to live your life. It's no one else's life. And, and I told and then I pretty much told everybody at the TV station, by the way, I just want to get this off my chest. I feel like a wolf. Have a nice day. And do you know what happened afterwards? They still voted me back in for another term as their general manager. They're all cool of it. And we realized maybe keeping this a secret is not a bad thing. So I'm very open about it, but I won't flaunt it. I'll just, like, someone goes, hey, are you Therian? I go, sure. And sometimes you just realize you have to live the life for you and nobody else. I jokingly refer to it as hiding in plain sight, but spelled like the Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> but yeah, same thing. Like, I've gotten tired of directly hiding who I am for the sake of, of, I guess, protecting myself. You know, again, I'm a mechanical engineer, and I've done some things with my life in spite of therianthropy like i never thought that i would be where i am right now and i've gotten there somehow so i'm like you know hopefully that gives me some respect to people who are outside of the equation I'm like okay well this guy isn't just saying this stuff to i don't, I don't know to, to be kooky or weird or anything you know it, it's hard to have that it, it's hard to have that kind of confidence and yeah i have survived and we like that survival is good being able to do things that mean something are good. And engineering, that's a very tough major. Kudos to you for surviving that. Sometimes surviving is all you can do. Amen.
Or is it a woof or a and I don't even never mind. It's a woo. A woo. A woo. Anyways, what? I'm sorry. That's extremely wolf centric. Where is the representation? Then it should be. It should be a therianthropy. I don't know. <laughs> I think we have tipped the fifty percent point on the wolves in here now. I have more tails. I have more floof. Can I hug it? And stripes. Uh, sh sure, if we ever stop avoiding each other. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Alright, subtopics. So what should new Therians expect out of Therian communities? Support. Yeah, I think we've kind of hit on a lot of what Therian communities should be. Um... There should be a lot of different aspects to it, really, because people come to it looking... Well, people come to it because they might need different things. Some need support, some just need someone to talk to, some actually want, you know, proper, reliable information, and then, you know, they want to be more introspective and just figure it out themselves, but others do need someone to talk to, or someone to kind of ask them questions and push them a little bit further than they could push themselves. So really, I think our communities and most of the communities that I kind of look in on do a good job of this. They, you know, they offer a lot of different things to people. So, and that's what a good community should be. And I think that hits something on the head. I would be leery of a community who automatically accepted everything that I said. I, I think that a community should kind of nudge you to kind of introspect a little bit and challenge yourself. Occam's Razor? I think it's one of the problems that I ran into when I was first coming into the community was I almost did want something that was like an echo chamber, something that would be like, oh yes, everything that you say is perfectly fine and everything you say perfectly matches up with therianthropy. One of the things that I have appreciated since coming back into the community is that I have been challenged kind of think about, okay, well, is what you're describing right here actually therianthropy? And if not, that's actually fine, but you know, just kind of be a little more self-critical. I think I've grown tremendously because of that. On the same point, I think it's bad to join a community that only brings you down. So again, it gets back to the balance thing. Um, try to find some place that does challenge you, but that's not their only goal. Critical thinking is required is what you're suggesting, which makes sense. Yeah, I agree. There's finding balance within ourselves, but there's also um, needing to find a good balanced community, a balanced community that offers support, but, you know, offers the right amount of, uh, like, critical thinking and questioning mm -hmm. as well. Agreed there, because I've seen some people come in and go, I want to be someone from a video game. And then it's like, how did you get there? What what avenue did you... How did you come up with that? Are you sure what happens? And just make sure that... Are we thinking? Just just to make sure that there is a thought process, there's reasoning behind it. 
So don't just jump in and be like, I'm this. But why? And I think one of the things that I've kind of described in the thread somewhere is that it's about really supporting someone versus enabling them. If they really do feel these things and whatnot, then, you know, support them. Give them your assistance. But if someone's just talking a bunch of stuff and has nothing to substantiate at all, then, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a little different. Exactly. Like, I know one guy that made me think is like, he said he was some sort of like Eldritch monster. And at first, like, what? But then I just listened and just talked to him. And then I realized, okay, this actually makes sense for him. All right. He's really thought about it. Cool. Sweet. You're in a good spot now. Yeah, a good community should, you know, it shouldn't be an echo chamber. A good community, it shouldn't be too much in the other direction either. It shouldn't be just all grilling and questions. Exactly. You're right. You're right. You're right. It should be both. A little bit of both. In that same sense, I think it's also very healthy to be open to getting these kind of questions, too. Again, when I first came into the community 2005-ish, I had already put myself through basically hell, trying to tell myself that I wasn't all of these things and whatnot. So I I was too intimidated, too intimidated, I think, when people started asking questions. And granted, their grilling was not the right method of pursuing things, but... I walked away from it because I was like, you know, I I can't handle this. And I really should have just given it a little bit more of a chance and given myself a little bit more honesty at that point. Well, that's a good point. A good community should have, you know, leaders or people that younger members are questioning, people who are just discovering this or trying it on. The community should have leaders or members who can kind of judge a situation and decide, you know, maybe this person has already been too critical on themselves, so we should take it easy with them. Or we need people with good judgment leading, you know, our, our, our groups throughout the internet. I think the intimidation factor is a pretty big one as well. For myself, it was definitely something that made me avoid talking about not necessarily aspects of my therianthropy, but aspects of myself that related to it. Specifically, um, a lot of my religious beliefs were something that I never wanted to enter into the conversation for fear of how it would be perceived by others within the community. And I think that a lot of the kind of aspects of either grilling or just different conversations that are had about somebody when they're coming into the space is it can be useful to sort of you know query about what they're talking about but then it's 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 definitely the case that just yeah it's it's scary and as somebody that has been kind of discovering a lot of things over the past year it's it's definitely been nice to go with whatever pace has been i guess presented and comfortable for myself and i think that having a community that is able to identify for each individual a general pace to kind of have that sort of personal growth and questioning is valuable. I agree with something that Ulf said there too, you know, with the you know, leadership in the community and all that. <clears throat> but I think it's also very dependent on the each individual to empathize and go back to when you entered the community, how did you feel? 
what were you afraid of and try to create an environment that they are they're feeling the ability to be heard 80 percent of the time that's all that's really necessary for anything of this nature and opening that door will open up the floodgates usually mm. i think it's kind of interesting because uh hopefully split doesn't mind me saying this but one of his first posts was something along the lines of you know I'd, I'd like to talk about things here but i'm not sure i can actually do it and as a staff member somewhere i kind of stepped in and i was like you know i i fight a lot of anxiety and a lot of i fight a lot of these issues too but i'd like to give you the encouragement to go ahead and talk about these things like if it's who you are go for it there's no need to feel intimidated uh, join these conversations because we don't have a lot of these answers. So, you know, maybe we can figure stuff out together. And it seemed to bring a seemed to bring a lot of change around. It did. As a longstanding member, when dealing with a lot of the newer members, I feel that I have to basically assess each situation separately and assess from there on how to approach it. As for the newer members, so a bit of advice would be to get to know people. Ask questions of them as they ask questions of you so you can grow and learn together. Some you may feel intimidated by, but you can and will get past that. We're not these scary elders that some people may see us as. We want to be there to help you as well we're still learning ourselves but along the path that we walk to get where we are maybe some of that can give you some insight and help certainly an important point to make because uh i like learning about people and i'm sure having my own story out there might help somebody else too so you know Hey, if you want to talk to me. You know, it's it surprised me. So what I did was myself, my personal journey since coming back into the community was I started a journal and I just started going on kind of about random stuff, but started with my childhood and working through. And it, it surprised me how many people kind of relate to different parts of my story. I didn't think that my story was anything special. I thought it was just my story. That's it. But when I've gotten feedback that people are like, you know, I see myself in what you've written, that is tremendous. And when they feel like they have become empowered to say their own stories, I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Because I remember how hard it was for me to open up. So it's like you're saying, uh, tell your stories. And that's what this podcast is about too. It's about people telling their real stories. You know, it's not all about barking at water and stuff a, a lot of us have gone through a lot of shit to get to where we are and it's been tough but we're still here i'll be honest and open that you know i think something i need to work on for myself personally to be um perhaps a better educator in the community is to actually be more open and be more vulnerable so that it's easier to communicate with people and talk to people. I think I'll just also say one thing that kind of through this process has been on my mind and that when somebody is coming into uh, the community, I think that a lot of these uh, different aspects of being able to express yourself and knowing that there are others out there that will connect with you is valuable. 
but not to be discouraged if it doesn't happen and you face some adversity. As, as Storm kind of said a bit earlier, it is sort of, in a way, a lot of representation of just general communities in some parts of society, in a way. And that does mean that there are, you know, others kind of maybe in different parts of the community that you might run into or just people you don't connect with. And that shouldn't bring any discouragement. It's definitely something that sort of happened to me in a couple of respects where there were some people I thought I connected with and ended up not really or just kind of having that drift apart in a way. And it, it was discouraging at first, but sort of keeping keeping on and pushing forward to try and find the people that I did connect with and those stories that were valuable to me and those forms of expression that helped me move forward were, I think, valuable in the end. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Like, not every community that a young person enters will be a good fit for them. They might need to try several different places before they find a group of people that they really connect with. And, you know, I'd be kind of leery of any place that is going to talk smack about other forums or resources, too. I'd like to think that the community should be able to point people in the right direction regardless as to whether or not they would fit into those specific locations. You know, don't don't feel afraid to go out there and be in multiple parts of the community either or to tap into multiple resources. If anything, you know, kind of knowledge is powder or <laughs> powder, yes. <laughs> knowledge. Oh, yeah. Knowledge That's is sweet knowledge powder. <laughs> knowledge is power. So give yourself the opportunity to go out there and tap into those resources. You may find something that, that kind of helps you along much better. That's a good point right there, yes. Very much agreed. And as far as like community bashing, that should not be happening at all. Because as far as I'm concerned, we're all Therians. We all feel this way. Why bass each other? We should work together. It'd be good for the whole. And you may find those sort of people that are bashing others or people that maybe are grilling too hard or people that do make you uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. That's not the sort of person. Like, yeah, if I would say to anyone who does see that, like, don't, don't take that. Leave. <laughs> Go find somewhere else. There's people out there. We're everywhere. And really, if you experience that, again, just kind of reflecting on what's already been said, don't feel like you are not accepted in the Therian community in whole. Look for another place. If someone's being an asshole to you, I'm sure there are other parts of the community where you will fit in. You're not going to get along with everybody. That's a part of life. Mm Mm-hmm. You're right. You're absolutely right. Not everyone's compatible with everybody else. I mean, look at all of us in this room right now. What's actually tying all of us together? They're entropy. But other than that, we all have completely different personalities. Some of them might work together. Some of them might not. But we were all, we were all willing to put those differences aside and work together to build up the community as a whole. We want to see this as a, like we've said before, it's a support network for people. We we want the community to be there for those that are just coming into this. And Storm, you are a very wise individual. Because you're right, it's a support community. We need to stick together. You're right, all these differences, we should stand up and we know exactly who we are. 
and we want to help people. Yeah, we push differences aside to try to build a community that says, hey, we all have this. Let's work together. Let's build it up. Let's empower each other for the betterment of everybody else. Yeah, I, I agree very strongly. You know, there's some parts of the community that are almost like, you know, we have to do the best for this branch of the community alone. And I, I kind of take a step back and I'm like, okay, well, what about everybody? You know, everyone who's affected by this. It, it doesn't make sense for there to be like one branch fighting against others. Yeah, people aren't going to get together or get along together. That's fine. But for me, the end game is really all of us being understood better and all of us being accepted better, and all of us being able to just be who we are. Yeah, absolutely agreed with that. I think one other aspect, too, that maybe people should be aware of if they're coming into a community and maybe you've seen some of, this, uh, some of the problems you're kind of getting at, Zav, is it's also okay to not connect or not, not express things publicly and instead seek more private conversations. I think that I've noticed a lot of people kind of recently, and I've been trying to make more of an effort of this and trying to connect privately because some people just don't feel comfortable not knowing who might hear what they're saying. And and that's okay. Like if you're not comfortable with that, you don't have to try and force yourself to be, even if you never are, that's totally fine. Trying to reach out privately, like I guess like what people did with me, is very valuable and can often lead to a lot of great things. Right. And in a sense, you know, I've also actually been attacked over my identity before. So it's it was very difficult for me to open up publicly with about a lot of things. So having that support more privately has helped out tremendously. It helped me realize that, yes, I was a more valued member of the community and that, you know, I was in a safe zone. And sometimes that one-on-one connection is important. It allows a much more focused uh, a focused conversation on individual subjects and the nuances that uh, can come up with that. I know that definitely applies for me. I don't do as well in group situations and a lot of distraction that 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 direct interaction, that direct chat or sit-down conversation, I find a lot more valuable and insightful. I kind of want to respond to that in saying that basically, yeah, find a part of the community that accepts you for you. There are some parts of my personality that are probably really obnoxious. I get that. But there are also parts of me that really fit in in other places, too. So, I guess that's another aspect of a good community to look for is that if you need it, if you need a private conversation, you know, that's available to you. So on that topic, what are other types of communities adjacent to the Therian communities that people could look to if they maybe want to figure out where they want to fit in? I mean, the biggest one is Otherkin, right? There is that, yes. Well, I think I think we mentioned this before. A lot of people might confuse having... I guess a spirit guide or spirit teacher is having a Therian side or, or, you know, being a Therian throat, having an animal identity. That often gets confused. So, you know what? I actually, off the top of my head, I can't offer, offer up the name of 
like a spiritual community like that to lead someone to, but they are out there. For a lot of times, people are have headmates, their system, there are resources for that. A lot of people are actually a daemon, and they've created, you know, they've created a, a demon kind of like friend or spirit that's beside them. So there's the daemon community. There is also the Tulpa community, which is similar in a way. I think a lot of people, they hear of therianthropy and then they kind of create this, they actually create uh, animal tulpa, perhaps. So there is the tulpa community. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what you meant by adjacent communities, but I think a lot of times some of those things are confused for being a therianthrope, for being or having a non-human identity. And it's not to say that we can't also be parts of those groups ourselves. Like, there are a lot of other groups that you might be a part of in addition to the Therian community. And yeah, exactly. That's a good point. You may also get yourself sort of confused in that sense of, well, am I actually authentically a Therian because of some other community ties that you have or, you know, the way that you view yourself in terms of how you feel sort of connected to these different aspects of ourselves that we may or may not share. But there are shared experiences nonetheless. You might find them in the Therian community, you might find them in other communities, as mentioned before several other sort of spirit spirit guides and otherwise. And you may go through several different communities trying to find out who you are. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it's, it's all part of that journey of self-discovery. On my end of the story, I came in through the uh, furry community, funny enough. I did tend to enjoy the uh, the artwork and whatnot, and, you know, having fursuiters exist being a sort of extension of, I am this, and this can be how I act, in some sense of the word or another. But at the same time, there's this extra... To me... Furries are a little less serious than Therians to me, and it just felt a little too much focused around partying and less about the personal journey or shared experience. I'm going to keep referring to a shared experience of, you know, being an animal. That shared experience being not as central in the furry community as opposed to the Therian community or other kin community. But that is another community where I have had positive experiences with expressing myself there and with people from there who identify with those types of, with that group. And there is a lot of crossover there too. I've always seen furry as almost like a medium of sorts for expression. So I like that you mentioned expression, but it's, uh, it was actually 
kind of where I started to find things too. Again, I I knew I was a feline when I was five or six. The internet, I don't even know if it was actually a thing back then, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I certainly didn't have access even if it was. So I wasn't, shoot, I was 19, I think, when I finally had full-time access to the internet, maybe maybe 18 or 17. And finding the furry community was like a godsend because I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel like it's quite me, but I feel like I can express myself in a way that these people will understand and not judge me. And that felt monumental to me. That's interesting that we're mentioning furries. I did. I actually came in through the Therian side first, then I went to furry, but I utilized it as a way to express my Therianthropy. I went in knowing that not everyone shares the same beliefs as I do, or same feelings as I do, I should say, but I found that they're very accepting of it, and they let me be me, and I get to show the world what I am on the inside. So it's a way to basically take a fire hydrant and just shoot it straight at a way to vent versus like having it bottle up. It's a way of self-expression. I know that it's just they do it as a hobby. I do it because it's how I'm able to express, hey guys, this is me on the inside. Blah. And another sort of talking point, which will probably come up in a later episode, you might find some semblance of connection with the trans community, at least if you are trans, or if you're specifically having feelings of species dysphoria, as it were, that might be similar to gender dysphoria it is. or whatnot. And you might find you might find that specific trans communities could help you with expressing those feelings and feeling accepted. Just yet another group to throw You're in there. You're right. You're right. I'm actually trans as well, if anyone didn't know. And I do have feelings of species dysmorphia. And honestly, the similarities are so striking that, honestly, to, for, to give an idea of people who don't understand species dysmorphia, take transgender Drop gender, put species. I also, I'd also like to mention the vampire community. For some of them, they do still identify as human, but others feel like they are other than human or not human. So I feel like vampires are an adjacent community. And again, one could be a vampire and a Therian. You could be both. So I don't think they should be forgotten. It's it's a community adjacent to ours as well. I didn't even know they were a community. I thought it was just I just every now and then. I haven't heard about vampires in, honestly, a decade. I think vampires mostly have offline communities. I also think they're more regional Kind of how, like, our older howls used to be. They're, they were more regional, but I think vampires are more have a, have a stronger offline community. And they work more in, like, a clan system, I think. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know there was such a thing. So this is new information to me. Interesting. 
Alright, so what about theory and involvement in the furry community or panels at furcons? I know Stormdancer and I have actually done a panel at Denver and Aaron has done a few, I guess a few, <laughs> many. <laughs> yeah, I've done Pine Furcon. I've done one at Fur Immigration with my boyfriend, Don Dracor. And we also hosted one with that had over 30, actually hosted two at Euroferns. Uh, the first one had 30 people, and the next one a few days later had over 50 people show up. And it's good to see that people are actually coming out and wanting to listen in on this topic because I've never seen that happen before. And they're all questioning, all asking really good questions like they did their homework, and I was very proud of them. And just like people going, wow, I never thought of this before, but this is amazing. And just like make people think, maybe I've been looking at it the wrong way. Maybe it's something different or this resonates so much with me. Thank you for doing this. You might have just changed my life. I had one person hand me a letter. It was four pages long. And by the end of it, I re when it said that I inspired someone, I lost it. I was just started crying at the con. And, you know, I kind of I actually relate to that, too. What I've done at focus groups and things like that is nothing other than just telling my story. And I've had some people come up to me and tell me that, you know, Zeph, I am so happy that I've heard you say these things because, first off, it makes me feel more valid as a person, as an individual. And second off, it's given me the strength to try to figure out how to tell my story now. That's significant. I mean, again, the stories that we've told so far, there's a lot of repression in therianthropy. So having someone find confidence is tremendous. Yeah, it sounds like this is tying back into like one-on-one -on -one conversations of being more private in a way. Yeah, we need people who can be more outspoken in our community. And I do think we need... More gatherings again, like Howl's and... Definitely. More places where, you know, we can have little meet and greets and we need more speakers in our community and more opportunities to do that because sometimes it does take someone standing up and just sharing their story and kind of being a motivational speaker to help someone else come out, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and those Howl's, I know that there's going to be some next year in 2020. I know this one in Denver next year. I am going. No one's stopping me. And if they do, there's hell to pay. Oh, now see, y'all need to come to the one in Virginia. Now I have two panels, things I have to go to. Oh, you've done it now. So that's actually something I wanted to ask as somebody who hasn't been to either a Furcon or a Therian panel yet, or even a Howl whether those sorts of panels and the experiences at them are exclusive to the convention environment. I know that howls are more of like a sort of, I don't want to say a vacation, but they're, they're planned out as sort of like a weekend, like a longer weekend where people kind of go and sort of have time out in a camping environment or, or kind of an outdoor area versus the, the convention environment is more indoors. 
And so I'm wondering if the the indoor environment is exclusive to kind of the the furry convention sort of space. I would say it it depends on where you go. A lot of them are indoors. Yes, there's a couple. I know there's one in Canada called Camp Feral that is exclusively outdoors. Is at a park. There's one in the UK called Furcation that is actually at a park. And I know that um, Anthrocon basically takes in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that one actually takes over an entire goddamn city. I did one hell. It was a weekend. I did that with Running Red over in Maine, hosted one, and went to we went to a wolf sanctuary. And then we went out and we spent the entire day just chatting. It was outdoors and it was just Therians. It was the first proper Therian event I had ever done in my life. And honestly, and it's a person that's done about 30-something, God, who knows how many cons. I would skip all of them just to attend one howl. Because I can relate so much more to the Therians and just furries. So do you think then that there would be value in trying to push those indoor convention talks out of the furry environment and not having, say, an outdoor howl, but maybe just some sort of indoor speaking event. I think the panels help. Some of them, there is a uh, theme I've seen. It's a bunch of them that was a bad idea, which is trying to introduce everybody. The problem with that is that if you have a panel of like 40 people, suddenly it's like, well, you're never going to get to your actual topics because everyone's going to be telling their life story. It's going to take about 10 minutes each and you're going to run out of time. No, what you have to do is have a structured event of, hi, what are the topics? Go through the rundown, the list. And then after you go through the introductions, you do a Q&A. I've done that a few times and it's honestly worked so much better to the point where people felt engaged and felt they actually learned something. Because if you just have everyone just tell their life story, it, you're not going to get anywhere. But I think the biggest part of doing it at furry cons is that, as I as I heard a few people in here, they came through the Therian side via the furry side. So maybe it's a good idea to have a little beacon of, hey, might want to check this out. Because you might relate to this I have a lot more than furries in general. So that way, like, there's a community. Furry is a little bit more accessible to a lot of people, and it's a lot more public, so it's a lot easier to sort of get into that space, but having more of a focused sort of group, I think that's kind of the point of the howls, is that we do have something for Therians that we just do, but making a convention based about, around Therianthropy would be a probably a massive undertaking, which... I don't know about the turnout of it. It would be a howl of a good time. With blackjack and hookers, as they say. What? It's a very, very old reference. But no, I would rather do a howl outside and just or just talking and be completely unstructured. Like, just chatting. I've never been to a proper one. I've heard from everything I've seen and the pictures I've heard and the explosions I've seen and heard about some other howls. They sound like a heck of a good time. 
wait, explosions? I yeah, think wait. I missed out on that part. I heard there was one where someone launched a rocket into someone else's tent. Okay, oh. so we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> so answer from my perspective, too, going back to what we said earlier about people being, Therians being perhaps a little more anxious. I know a lot of Therians seem like they kind of get a little antsy when they are in a huge con space like Anthrocon or something like that. They seem much more open to conversation when they come to a howl. So for those who don't know, I have hosted the Virginia Howl for two years now. First year was, I think, five people. Second year was, I think, like 10 or 11 people. So it's essentially a Therian campout. And we had some activities. Uh, Blue Wolf helped run a drum workshop in our last one. So thank you. And When is it? Uh, it's in September, I believe. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> Just figure out the absolute worst possible day to do this when it's going to be raining and mid- so yeah, the last last howl we had started on Friday the thirteenth in the middle of a thunderstorm. How's that a uh, problem? on a full moon? And yeah, the roads are not easy to go. The roads are not easy to traverse. I was gonna say you have to double down next year, but I don't know how you do that. <laughs> it was super foggy too, so yeah, a lot of people had problems getting to the sites. <laughs> I have an SUV. I have no problem. It seemed like people were able to bond together in a more natural way. And again, in the con space, some people... I'll be honest with you, in the Therian things that I've participated in so far, most of us kind of hunkered over in a corner and tried to avoid people. <laughs> so, you know, um, I know that's not... <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, I know it's an individualistic thing, but a lot of us kind of wanted to gonna go off and do our own thing, too. We feel a part of it, but we also feel a part of it a little bit, I guess. <laughs> a part, but also a part. Well, apart from humanity. I'd say that goes for other conventions, too. I've gone to anime conventions where I've had that same experience. How are anime conventions? I've never done any. They're a time? Depends on what you want out of it, I suppose. You can either have a ton of crazy stuff, go to a bunch of meetups, or watch a bunch of anime, or just see weird stuff. Okay. Or buy a bunch of things. Oh. Okay. I just want Sailor Mutant transformations. There you go. Don't we all want to be able to Satya for really fast into our Therio sides? <laughs> Say I. I... Yeah. <laughs> e. Cons versus howls. Cons are a more structured event and environment where uh, there's panels that have their time frames, there's events, meetups can happen at cons. But for us Therians, the con pan, the Therian panels at furry cons are a way for us to reach out through that common ground to say, hey, here's what we are. And another thing, too, is that, you know, some some teams like Fur Science will actually participate in these things, too. They may not be as willing to do so in, like, a HAL environment or a campout environment, but in a convention environment, it, it's much more accessible. And they also have the opportunity to evaluate, like, furry things as well. They crashed my panel. 
That was fun. Howls are more socially laid back, a way for us to let our fur out, so to speak, and unwind. Get to know each other on a more relaxed and personal level. Open up to each other, feel comfortable and accepted, and feel like you're actually there as, as a part of the community. So it sounds like a vacation. It can be. But I also, uh, not to give like a blanket statement, but I think a lot of us are actually more comfortable when we're out in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) you know, with the woods around us. It might make sense because a lot of us are, you know, we're, well, all of us, (laughs) we're animals. So we, we feel more at home in these places than in the big, big city. I hate cities. I, I don't know what the rest of you feel like, but cities drive me up the wall. My nearest city is Boston, Massachusetts, United States, and honestly, I went stir-crazy in that city. I can't handle it. My favorite part of college was College Woods. I had a little spot by the river that I'd meditate at, and honestly, that was a saving grace. You ever been to San Francisco? Uh, Yeah, once. <laughs> Only once. Never again. It's not great. Not great if you don't like cities. Uh, Excuse my French, but fuck no. Hail to the no. It's like New York City, but on a very tiny island. New York City is even worse. In the cons with our anxiety and stuff that we all have it can get a bit overwhelming and you're feeling pressed in from all sides. Out in the woods or the plains or wherever you're, the nature of wherever the howl is, you have more breathing room, you have more space. The amount of people is a small number around you. It's more manageable. More intimate. Yes. And I want to say, too, it's uh, being surrounded by people who are also Therians. People weren't as bugged out if I felt a need to go and get my private time to kind of walk away from everybody and regroup myself. Sometimes if I do that in a more social atmosphere, people are kind of freaking out because they think I'm not enjoying myself or whatever else like that. And it's actually not the case. So it's nice to have people be like, okay, we actually understand that. So just come back whenever you're ready. (laughs) You got a good point there. And when I went to a meetup, it was nice. Would you say that being at cons with other Therians kind of solves some of that anxiety, or is it just the case that it's still general? Furries, I can relate to a lot more than normal humans. But Therians, it's a case of you get it, you understand. I can actually talk about a bunch of shit where most of my friends would go, what? What the hell are you talking about, Aaron? Just this just be fluffy, don't don't talk about crap like that. <laughs> so or uh I feel more at ease. I'm gonna bring up an old term. Some Therians believe we have a, a weardar. Um it's like a <laughs> I remember it's that true. Term. It's real. I remember that term. It is? We have a radar, and we could kind of like, you know, we have a sixth sense about, you know, who's another Therian. 
And I've noticed this when I've had the pleasure of going to meet Storm in person and another Theron named Russian. And I was just so much more at ease with them. I mean, I knew they were Therian beforehand, but it was just so relaxing to be with them. Whereas, like, if I have to interact with a, you know, a normal person, I kind of have to, I feel guarded. Tensed up. Like, I have to, yeah, exactly. So, Mm. so I think howls offer that benefit as well. You know, we can kind of let our walls down. And we're so much more at ease and relaxed, and that's a relief. Yeah. Okay, then. That makes a lot... I'm looking forward to a proper howl. I've I've never actually done a proper howl yet, and I am very much looking forward to doing one of them. And excited. I do actually very strongly agree. As someone who's hosted two howls, and as someone who is very highly anxious and pretty much doesn't try to talk to people ever, it surprises me how easy I was able to connect with the other people that came to the house, both of them. I still wasn't the most social person in the world, but it's almost like there was this natural click that, you know, I felt somewhat at ease. I felt like I belonged. I felt like they understood things. It really was a feel of, like, my tribe, basically. I think that's what Therians really are. We are our own tribe. Because we're all people that we get it. We understand. Like, everyone in this chat right now understands. Like, we all have the same feeling of, like, so it's like, I can actually relate to you. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I'm not stuck in my own little headspace locked in. Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, not everyone can get to a howl. And, you know... We see a lot of people, especially younger people in our community, and they just kind of get stuck in the online community. And, you know, communicating with people online, it's a great place to start, but the online community isn't everything. So I don't know how it would be possible, but we really need to have more local howls and get-togethers for people. Agreed. But the thing is, we're very spread out. Therians are way more spread out than furries are. I would also point out to anybody in the community, younger, older, whatever, however long you've been in, however short you've been in, how old, no matter how old you are, feel free to get involved and create your own howl or meetup or gathering. Just to, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to ask about them. But as far as setting one up, but go out there and, and get them rolling. You know, feel, don't be afraid to do your part in bringing the community together. And it's those little steps that make the biggest difference. You know, it's a very strong point that you make there. Because the reason that I started doing the Virginia Howls was because I was wondering why no one else was doing Howls. That's literally it. Uh, I came to the conclusion that, you know, I can be someone who has a hand in helping with these things, and it made all the difference. It started helping pull people together. So there is no, you know, you don't have to be someone who's been in the community for X amount of years or anything like that. You know, naturally, it's a little more complicated than (laughs) it might seem sometimes, but people can feel more empowered to do things to support the community and bring it together. Uh, Another quick point that wasn't really brought up is that 
there is the slight concern for at least a younger audience whether or not you know going to i mean looking at looking at this sort of howl as someone from the outside as you're going away with people on a camping trip to nowhere but with a very small amount of people so there is a very realistic concern of horror movie uh yeah yeah, the that sort of concern where what's going to happen, who's there, and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, like, where are you going? How do you know these people? You only know them online? Are they going to kill you? How are we going to eat them if you're giving away our secrets? I know, right? Yeah, the secrets of the, of the hidden wolf tribe, right? <laughs> well, but I, I don't think that the howls necessarily have to be outdoor events either. I know over in Europe... Uh, Pink Dolphin is doing a lot of meetup style things that are more, uh, you know, hanging out with some, ha- hanging out with a group of people for a day sort of thing. And that's still important too. Yeah. Yeah. We did that in last year at Wolf Howl in Massachusetts, and it was honestly a blast. But the more important sort of point that I'm trying to bring up is don't feel like you have to go out and do a big event like planning a camping trip. You could do something as simple as, you know, just hanging out with people for a day or whatnot. But, I mean, even that might come with sort of concerns. But every little bit helps, you know? And you don't have to feel like you you need to be personally responsible. And you don't also... If somebody else isn't doing it, you could probably do it yourself. It's just one of those things where it's like, Go ahead and do it if you want to do it, but don't feel like you have to do it or are, are obligated to do it. It's just sort of a release for you, whether or not you want to try and meet people, like almost any meet and greet. Just meeting up, making sure it's in a public place, making sure that you guys are all safe, and stuff like that. And a few things that are kind of important, too. Um, I've actually had long-standing members of our community be like, I'm afraid to go to your house because I don't know you. Perfectly valid. That's fine. What I tell people is, you know, if you need someone who's non-Therian to come to, just let us know. Sometimes we will be fine with that. We want to give everyone a proper heads up because we don't want just random, you know, non-Therians coming around that we, we don't know if we can trust or not. But it's it's actually an opportunity for our community to kind of branch out to non-Therian communities and be understood better too. So I, I don't think there's necessarily a problem with if you're interested in doing these things, getting maybe someone in your life who isn't Therian also involved. It, it helps keep you safe. It also helps kind of spread information that's that's positive about the Therian community. It, hmm telling people non that Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. My the first person I ever told that was a Therian was my mother. I wish I never did that. Bad idea. That's all I'm gonna say. We have had some people bring their parents or their significant other to Hal's where We've reached out to each other beforehand and met up with the parents or the non other non-Therian to give them at least some sort of ease of mind that, hey, we can be pretty regular people and this is 
what we do and so they give them a chance to know us better so they feel more comfortable in the situation kind of sort of house or concern i guess like maybe hosting more meetups in more publicly accessible places even if they are like outdoors but still within like maybe the confines of a standard civilization maybe increasing those sorts of things could help i know that uh yeah i guess as i've already mentioned kind of things pink dolphin is doing just kind of thinking a bit about the idea of going back to the furry community the idea of fur meets and that a lot of people tend to connect there is kind of their first exposure to furry community members outside of you know online just thinking about that from a th- maybe for therians being able to have ways where they can just instead go to maybe a park in a city instead of, you know, a camp out somewhere, maybe make people feel more safe or avoid and break some of those... Public locations. Yeah, like public locations where they can have some of those uh, concerns be assaged, in a sense. Therian groups, where do we meet? Actually, you know, things, <laughs> things like zoos and parks and things like that, are they kind of scream out to me immediately. Places where people can kind of connect with their stereotype or kind of just communicate and connect with each other. Just vibing with the other animals, dude. I can already see that. And I guess that brings me to another point, too. If any of you who are listening do plan on trying something like that, like meetups or howls or anything along those lines, anything that supports the community, let us know. That way, on our next episode, we can let everybody know, help get you some more resources, and hopefully get these things going. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. I thank everyone for coming. So we are hoping to make this a probably monthly kind of publication. If you all have any sorts of feedback, audio issues, content, production value, let us know. People. If you'd like to be a guest, of course, if you have some kind of topic that you'd like to talk about, let us know. This is intended to be a podcast for the community. So let's make it happen. Cheers. The end. And don't kill people. Also important add-on. Very important. Stupidly important.